Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Hello, lovely listeners. In my last episode, I incorrectly referenced a news headline regarding a woman who was raped on a train while passengers watched. And I had attributed that to London, and I was wrong. So I just wanted to clear up some confusion. But this is an interesting topic, and I can't not say anything about it because it's a scary thought. But so I wanted to clear the air, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to share you a clip from a news report regarding what happened. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. At Septa 69th Street Transportation Center Saturday, riders are still in disbelief. No one helped a woman in distress. Nobody helped. It was wrong, honestly. I mean, it shouldn't have happened. Upper Darby police say 35-year-old Feiston Noy raped that woman on the Market Frankfurt line at 69th Street Wednesday night. But what's most disturbing to many here is that witnesses watched but didn't intervene or alert police. People are scared to do the right thing, you know, but you got to be the first one to take that step. Septa says a female employee stepped in to help after she entered the train car and noticed something wasn't right. Those we spoke with wish passengers acted sooner. That's awful that uh, out of everyone just the, uh, like the Septa worker did that, like, What's wrong with people? There's multiple ways you can intervene to try to de-escalate the situation without actually physically putting yourself involved in it, like breaking it up. SEPTA hopes everyone treats this incident as a learning experience, and it's once again urging riders to dial 911 whenever they see a crime happening. People can also use its transit watch app to discreetly communicate with transit police for non-emergencies. Society just needs to work harder to help people, you know. We just need to know that if if we were in that position, we want someone to help. Now here's another detail Upper Darby Police just told me a short time ago. At some point during that incident, they say the victim became unconscious. So it's just another reason they need anyone who was on the train that night to come forward and speak with police. We're live in Upper Darby. I'm Brian Sheehan, NBC10 News, Rosemary. It... it, it uh... You know, I've tried to put myself in the passenger shoes. I'm trying to extend empathy and understanding to how anyone can witness something like this taking place and do nothing 
other than pull out their phone and record it. And to the individuals that recorded this, you disgust me. You disgust me that you are more willing to save this on your phone than you were to help save a life. And the questions asked within the interview through the Philadelphia 10 News Report were valid questions. What is wrong with people? How how can we have trust in anybody if something like this can take place in front of other people and nobody does anything? Now, I don't know about you, but I have seen videos of other people recording someone actually stepping in and doing something with random strangers, with a random individual who might be harassing or accosting someone and stepping in and shutting it down. Where are those people? Why weren't those people on the train? What kind of society have we created where we feel that the most important thing to do in a dangerous situation is to record it instead of stopping it? Like, what kind of program are we being infected with? where anybody would think that's a rational move. I just, I'm, I, I'm so angered that someone would have the audacity to not only accost and assault someone in broad daylight, but, but, but to rape someone, but even more so by someone who would not stop it. There are so many questions to ask about an individual in that situation. And I, I bet you're like me. You're like, uh, I wonder, uh, I wonder, I, and I've heard, I've heard other people say this in talking about this instance where people are like, they voted for Biden. I bet they voted for Trump. I bet they voted for da-da-da. I bet they think this. And you could easily step inside those boxed ideologies and assume to know a person without actually knowing a person by just slapping some labels on them. But like, does that really bring you any resolve? Does that bring you any closure? I mean, so these are the moments that make so many of us step back and go, why do I want to give any effort out into the universe when this is how the universe acts? Why do I want to put forth any energy of love or optimism or hope or unity when people can just watch other people get raped? I, I'm at a loss for words. I tell you what, I would not be holding the phone if something like that was trying to go down with me. And yes, I have stuck myself inside of situations where I could have been harmed but it was in defense and protection of another person, people I didn't know. And I guess I just have hope that there are other individuals who are like me who can hear about a story like that and it can make us maybe want to widen our eyes just a little bit more so that we can pay attention and be there for somebody because somebody wasn't there for this woman, right? It's acts of injustice like that because I bet you unfortunately our justice system is so fucked that this man is not going to get any kind of punishment that he actually deserves he, he might get away with it I can't do anything about that 
I can't get inside the justice system and and make this right. But what I can do, what we can do is we we our eyes have been opened, right? Like we're we're hearing about this story. We're hearing about lots of things taking place and it's horrendous and it's brutal and it's barbaric and it's disgusting and it's disturbing and it is the poorest reflection of humanity. And when we hear about these things, or even if you witness these things, if you were one of these passengers on the train that evening, I guess the only karmic justice that you can inject into the universe is to A, not fucking repeat it. And what I mean by not repeating it is not raping someone, obviously, but not being just a watcher, not just sitting there doing nothing. Step up, say something, do something, stop harm from happening, right? That's all we can do when we're in a circumstance that allows it. I just, I don't, I'm so, this is such an icky, icky thing to have happened. And I I know that sounds like I'm I'm being gentle with words. I don't have the words because it's, it's unfathomable to me that anyone would watch a woman get raped would watch a woman be assaulted or accosted even it's enough to make you want to strap your kids to a leash and never let them leave your house as a parent and it can certainly give you a very narrow view of men and to view all men as a possible brutal rapist and I mean, how many men were on that train that did not intervene? And so it can really jade your outlook on humanity, can jade your outlook on men, can jade your outlook on riding a train in Philadelphia. But it can also just bring you a greater awareness of what happens when there is a lack, a lack of security, a lack of confidence, a lack of validation. And pointing fingers and placing blame. Oh, fuck. How like how the fuck do you not do that in this instance? But those are the tempting moments that force us to dig a little bit deeper to try and see the God in all of this. But, I mean, I'm struggling. The only, the only reflection that I see is a lack of God on this train in Philadelphia and it's enough to make you go where were you God you couldn't send one of us soldiers in there to do something I mean on the other hand you got Karen's and Kyle's or Kelsey's and relatives if you're like me who call the cops on everybody for everything all the time And you think, where were those? Where was the Karen on the train at this given point? I mean, because (laughs) what's going on? You got people calling cops on their neighbors left and right, reporting them, getting them killed, getting their children taken away, getting arrested. But then the streets of Philadelphia, on the trains of Philadelphia, you have people more interested in recording a rape than stopping it. I just... I mean, I'm with you listeners. Like, how do you have any hope? How do you have any hope? How can I have any? With everything that's fucking going on, right? 
tyranny and treason and deception and distraction and hypocrisy. It's all everywhere. But the good news is that I think we're all starting to wake up to it. I think we're all starting to see it. I think we are all going, I fucking see what's going on and I don't like it. And so maybe sometimes God shows us a reflection to wake us up instead of making us feel at peace, right? Maybe maybe we need a little bit of unsettling. God, I don't even like saying that. I don't, that's like saying maybe we need someone to be raped once in a while in order to open our eyes. And isn't that a horrible thing to say? But does God work that way? I don't know. Sometimes I think I have God figured out. And then very quickly I'm like, oh, nope, got it wrong. Just kidding. I have no fucking idea what's going on. I can look at it in a very enlightened view. And I can say that man was so desperate to feel validated and wanted and fulfilled and satisfied that he was willing to put on a spectacle in front of an audience to get what he wanted without any regard or consequence to how that affected anyone else, including that poor woman who was his victim. I could look at it like that, but there is no reality where that's acceptable behavior. It's not moral behavior. It's certainly not ethical. And what do we do when our wrestling is like that? I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know about anything anymore. But deep in my heart, I have a hope that all of the negative things that happen in the world can be balanced, even if by awareness. I mean, okay, say I was one of those passengers on the train watching it happen and not doing anything. What's going on in my head? What is going on in my head? Maybe I'm scared because it was a black man. The rapist was is a black man. Maybe I'm a white woman sitting on that train. Maybe I'm elderly. And maybe I'm just already scared because I've listened to one too many depictions of the black American thug as brought to me by my mainstream media. And if I try and intervene. He might shoot me. He might rape me. Maybe all of those women on the train watching were afraid that they'd be next. Because look it, we're all just sitting here watching this woman be raped who says I won't be next. Maybe, God, really? I just, I, I want to sit in their seats. I want to look through their lens, but I'm a short, little, petite white woman, and I, huh, if I'm sitting on that train, no, nobody's getting raped in front of me. I am not holding a phone. I'm probably holding a fist to that man's face. I might be fucking digging my claws into his dick. I, I don't, I just, you know what I mean? Listeners, this is the... This is the struggle. This is the lesson. This is how love challenges us. 
and asks us not to judge what we see or hear with our own eyes and ears, but to discern with the heart of God, with the mind of Christ. I, I don't know. I have the same amount of contempt and jaded misunderstanding that I do for the pharmaceutical companies, for the government, for big corporations, for greedy judicial systems. I want to sit in their place and look through their eyes and discern with whatever heart they could possibly have hiding and understand how they can enact what they enact and what they participate in, knowing full well how that's going to affect not just one or two people, but millions and billions. You know, I have that same yearning desire to readily understand how I can wrap my brain around their practices and their actions and still be able to extend some form of love or understanding or empathy or acceptance. And I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. Because knowing that these people stood by and watched this woman get hurt, it just makes me wonder if anyone cares about anything. It's a trying time. It's a sad season. Higher consciousness, awakening, a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, sexual, completely erotic transformation can help you see everything and then wish you could unsee it all. Because you might have the ups of the joy and the gratitude then something like this just pops into your mental dimension and you don't know how to keep everything balanced. You don't know how to keep love expanding and pouring out of your heart when you're inconvenienced with reality. (laughs) Also, on, on another side note, So you remember in the last episode, I was telling you about how I came across someone from my past who I felt disappointed in because they just, they're still stuck in the same game, right? They're still grinding down their groove and and maybe kind of looks like he's stuck in it. And so the reason that these feelings came to surface is because I was on Patheos Progressive Christian and I was reading the All Set Free blog, because it made the front page of Patheos. And it was just another, hey, evangelical, blah, 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 why are you so like this blog. You probably know what I'm talking about. I've written a few like that. And I just thought, God, he's just, wow. They're just talking about the same things, right? And when I say they, I mean this little crew. I mean the little I mean, that that little clique that I thought I wanted so badly to be a part of for such a long time. And I remember, and I remember even discussing this on the podcast from time to time, I felt like I was in high school 
when I was collaborating with him. I felt like I had to keep saying the cool things so the cool kids would like me. And then I realized they weren't the cool kids. They were the mean kids. And because so many people were opposed to their ideas, they decided to turn into the bullies they were trying to resist. And I had deduced that throughout developing relationships with this clique, including Matthew DiStefano. And, and I'm, I, I've tried really hard to like not name names and to not talk about things because apparently when I do, it's because I'm obsessed, even though every once in a while it's a natural thing where emotional triggers just kind of come to the surface when something else acts as a reactive agent and it's an unconscious thing that happens. But maybe that's because it happens because it hasn't been completely resolved. And I can say that that's true. I still feel unresolved about the essential split of our partnership of our book de- of our of our of our book idea and of our relationship and so i guess i don't pretend i'm real i'm authentic and so i had been trying to not talk about it not name names right because i didn't want to appear as though i was throwing someone under the bus but i'm tired of acting like i didn't have a relationship with matthew and now when I say relationship, I, I don't want you guys to wrap your minds around something nefarious or or secretive. I just mean we became really good friends. We shared a lot of really vulnerable information with one another about our marriages and about our fears and about our parents until it hit a certain point. And what I perceived to be happening was Matthew just was not ready to go that deep and because he wasn't willing to go that deep and because he wasn't willing to really self-examine like his own, because he wasn't willing to take accountability for a lot of things about his behavior and about his patterns, um, I couldn't write a book with him. I couldn't write a book with someone that couldn't admit when they were wrong. And I had been finding that while... Trying to be a part of this cool club, you had to fake a lot of shit. You had to fake knowledge. You had to just kind of wing shit. And I just, I'm not a person that operates like that. I'm not making a moral judgment on people that do. But it wasn't authentic to me. It wasn't true. And we had, the idea was to work on a book about relationships, about marriages through a theological and erotic lens, right? And the goal was to show people that even when there are significant and chaotic conflicts, such as infidelity, which was a bond that we shared, right? He had infidelity in his marriage. I had infidelity in my marriage. And that was something we connected on. You need to go deep. You need to self-examine. You need to take accountability in order to be authentic And I was at a place where I felt like I would be advising people inauthentically and without enough knowledge that I didn't want to fast track writing a book and just getting a book done and getting my name at a publisher house and and checking something off my list. Like I thought really long and hard about it. And when I confronted him about that and other issues, especially the way he was treating me publicly in the public realm, as public figures, 
there was a lot of disrespect. And there was a lot of miscommunication. There was a lot of misunderstanding. I wanted to work on it. I wanted to address it. But when we address things, we have to take accountability. And that was something he was not willing to do. So upon further processing and reflecting, I just kind of came, I I wrote him this long email to get things off my chest and to let him know how I was feeling, to let him know how I was seeing things. And I, I wasn't absolute about anything, right? This was my perception. This was my interpretation. This was from my side. At no point was I denying that he even had an opportunity to present a side that he was experiencing. But from the behavior and the actions taken in the preceding weeks before my big confrontation email, it didn't seem to me like he cared. He didn't care. He wasn't hearing me. And ultimately, because I said I wanted to be seen and heard, he cut me out. He was like, you know what? I'm not writing a book with you. But I was angry. And I did lash out at him. And I did confront him about things in a public way. And it was out of spite. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I fucking get spiteful when I'm pissed off and when I don't have control of my emotions. I'm not going to act like I was in the right. But I don't think I was in the wrong either. I was just, I was being human. And I also apologized. I apologized. I was also willing to see him in a wider lens, right? When we are... We are experiencing a deeper development in any kind of relationship. It's kind of like those euphoric feelings you feel when you're like falling in love, right? It's called limerence. And what happens during this phase, and this has happened to me with women, right? And I'm I not women I've been sexually active with, just women I've fallen in love with and friendship with. You go through this this phase of limerence and it blinds you. It blinds you. And when you gravitate out of that phase, because things get real and you can't always live in this constant state of limerence, you start to see things differently. And you start to go, oh my God, look at all those things that I was ignoring before. But I have to be honest. I was ignoring a lot of those things because I thought I wanted to be a part of this legion of people who were going to change the world by bashing evangelicalism. And I was going to, you know, join this cool group and become this popular chick with all these fancy labels and sell books and be, you know, be be an influencer and maybe be a speaker and maybe go travel and, and do... And do Zoom videos with other people who have published books, right? And it was all... It was all so so fascinating to me and so enticing and so seductive but then I was also dealing with a lot of personal stuff and a lot of personal growth and I was challenging myself to deeper internal self-examinations about whether I even believed the shit that I was trying to sell and I had found that I didn't I had found that it contradicted my principles and my values. Because, you know, listeners, we don't often just sit down and we're like, what do I believe? And what are my values? And what do my actions look like day to day? And how does that all line up? Am I walking the talk? 
Am I living out my beliefs? Am I acting like I love God? You know, and and I was doing that. And maybe you've done that too. And maybe some people just haven't done that yet. And okay, we all do things on our own journeys at a different time. Sometimes at the same, it doesn't matter. My only point was I was going through something deeper in my journey. And the reflections around me were showing me a Danielle I didn't want to be. They were showing me a Danielle I didn't want to know. The Danielle I wanted to know was hiding. Was hiding behind labels and ideology and cool kids. And then Danielle turned into a big bully again. I was going through an evolution. I wanted to really fully embrace that evolution. And again, I didn't want to pass myself off as some fucking expert because when Matthew popped into my life in the way that he did and offered me, you know, this book collaboration, I was, oh my God, I was going through so much bullshit in my personal life. I was... I was healing and recovering from just so much trauma. And I jumped at a chance to feel like a god. And I jumped at a chance to be a part of a cool club. And to be a published author. And then I was given a podcast with another person. And I, you know, we had a falling out too. And... It all just kind of compiled on top of each other. And eventually I had to leave the cool kids table in the cafeteria and go sit by myself and start over essentially because of all the connections that I made, of all the networking that I did, of all the promoting and encouraging that I did of other people, none of that was then reciprocated to me because I didn't want to sit with the cool kids And it was just because I had an issue with one cool kid, but eventually it turned into an issue with all of the cool kids. And I guess I was just recognizing that at the cool kids table, reciprocity isn't a reward for everyone. And I didn't like that. And I also didn't like bashing people. I thought, wow, if if we're really going to start acting like Jesus under this progressive Christian guise, then we should really start acting like Jesus. And all I could see was, you know, jumping from one denomination of exclusivity to another. You go from evangelicalism into progressive Christianity, you're still acting like you're better than somebody. And I just don't want to act like I'm better than somebody. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm smarter than an evangelical because I believe in universalism. Because, fuck, none of us fucking know. What happens when we die? So it's a fucking stupid claim to make in the first place. And it's a dumb reason to get upset at other people for disagreeing with you. Because nobody knows. Even those who have had near-death experiences. Hi, I'm one of those people. What the fuck does that mean? You weren't dead forever. You were dead for a couple seconds. You were dead for a few minutes. That's not... That's not the absolute all of what happens. That's an individual experience that is then transarticulated from a spiritual post-consciousness back into a fleshly, worldly, physical world of limited articulation and expression. And what the fuck do we know? So anyway, 
I don't want to pretend like this didn't happen because it impacted me. And I'm tired of acting like we can't talk about real experiences. I'm tired of thinking that like I should be walking around pretending none of this happened because everybody else like seemingly like hasn't addressed anything. And maybe the problem with that is because we so easily block and cancel and unfriend and disconnect from people and we just kind of like throw it in the back of our heads and act like it doesn't matter. But maybe it does. Like maybe eventually it all does fucking catch up with us. When you're in the face-to-face world, you have to really think about things. Like you've seen the memes. When you're, when you're at a grocery store and someone's talking your head off and you like don't know how to break free from the conversation. You can't just click on a button. Block. Unfriend. Hide. Unfollow. You can't just do that in real life. So so we create tolerance levels in life and we build resiliency and we think of creative ways to be kind but also disconnecting and severing the connection. And I just wonder why we don't extend the same courtesies in, in, in the digital world. And I wonder why we have an expectation that I should get over something like this. Like, explain this to me, okay? I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm not obsessed. I'm not trying to like attack someone or target someone or cancel someone I like genuinely want to understand how so many people can just click buttons and disconnect and act like there hasn't been experiences shared like I can't do that right I I I have terminated a lot of relationships in my life that over a long period of time I've examined and I've gone, wow, these are toxic. And and, and recognizing that I'm contributing toxicity to that relationship as well. It's not just the other person, but sometimes there is a collaboration that's just chaotic and it doesn't work and you have to be accountable for that. But I'm just saying is like, I can't pretend that relationships didn't exist because relationships change me. Even momentary relationships, they change me. They influence me. They impact me. They make me feel. And they do make me feel seen and heard in many, many instances. But it's when those relationships start falling into a place where I'm not feeling seen and heard, that produces a conflict. Because can we be honest human beings? We all want to be validated. We all want to be seen and heard. I don't know that I'm me without you. And when you meet someone and you find a really great connection with them and you you form a bond with them and you see so many parallels of likeness with one another, there's so much resonance and harmony in every time that you connect with someone. How the fuck do y'all just like act like that shit doesn't happen and move on with your lives? Even clicking buttons, that doesn't really block all of the experiences and memories I have. And I think it's sad and depressing that people think it should be a common practice where we're just okay with just exiting from experience. Like I, and and acting like other people don't exist. How do you do that? I, I haven't seen my mother, I don't know, four or five years, four I don't remember, but it's not like I don't think about her or that I don't talk about her or I don't recall experiences that either made me happy or made me sad, 
But I just know being in a relationship with her doesn't work. So when I look back at the relationship we had, Matthew, and when I see how you respond to me, when I come to you and I ask you, like, are you ever going to start doing anything different? Like, isn't that what I was saying to you when we started breaking up in the first place? Like, didn't I recognize that, like, everyone was still in a box, even though you were trying to act like you weren't? And why did it hurt you so bad that I pointed that out to you instead of you realizing like that I was like putting my hand down trying to help you climb out of it? And I mean, I don't I don't understand why we hate on people who are trying to help us. The sarcastic nature of certain individuals whom you think can handle the way that you present your challenges to them like, hey, dude, remember how we're always talking about like how you don't want to be in a box, but like aren't we putting ourselves in a box? Asking that question out loud and asking us to both self-examine ourselves and the ideologies that we're perpetuating, that, that's not like a moral judgment. It's just like a personal resistance challenge to yourself. Like, can you do better? Can you strive for more? Can you talk about something else other than the same old thing? But then when you're asked to talk about the thing that you claim to be an expert on, you refuse. So it's it's all very rather confusing to me. But how can you come at me like that and act like I'm just some weird obsessed groupie and that we didn't develop a relationship with one another and share lots of very vulnerable information with one another, things that we wouldn't just share all randomly? How did you just so... I don't know, maybe your dad taught you that, right? I don't think it's passive aggressive to talk about emotional triggers. And I'm going to put that out there. It is not passive aggressive to talk about emotional triggers. It is not passive aggressive to reflect and process on relationships that once existed and no longer do. That's not passive aggressive. That's actually healthy. That's a very developed, conscious, elevated thing to do. I'm not sitting here saying, he's a bad guy, people. Fuck him. I'm saying, dude, like, we had a bond. We had a connect. We were going to write a book together. We, like, we vented about our marriages to one another, right? Like, we shared our fears with one another. We shared our fears about our inadequacies with our partners with one another. Like, how, how could I not want to see you grow and evolve, knowing what I know about your marriage? Now, I'm not saying things have changed. I'm not going to pretend like I know you right now. Just like you shouldn't pretend to know me right now. Just like you should pull out that old, tired, very narrow image that you're reserving as a placeholder for who I am. Like, what is it that you're holding on to that you're just seeing me as this narrow little person? Look, dude, I just want to be real with you. Your podcasts, your blogs, your YouTube channels, even your music all reflects that you're just singing the same old song. And so, yeah, dude, I mean, we've talked about this. So I'm just asking you, I'm encouraging you, like you can think outside of the box. That's initially what we wanted to help married couples do, think outside the box. We wanted people to be naked and known, remember? And then when I asked you to get naked so that I could know you, obviously I'm speaking in metaphor, you put on as many clothes as you could. 
and then let me know how important those labels were. So if in passing by, I see something from my past and it conjures something and makes me think of something in the now, I'm not afraid to face it. I'm not afraid to look at it. I'm not afraid to ask myself, why is this irking me so much right now? I'm not afraid to admit that I might still have some unhealed wounds. I'm not afraid to admit that. I don't, this whole time, like you've been afraid to even say my name. Say my name, say my name. If no, sorry. But this whole time, you won't even say my name. Like that whole cool kids cafeteria table refuses to act like I exist. And I think I realized why. So I see how y'all do when you go after people. Who is it? Um, Alisa Childers Childress right now. How many months have you spent attacking her ideology? How many tweets and statements and commentary have you, and blogs have you articulated words against her and directly assaulted not only her character, but her beliefs simply because they differ from yours rather than just acting out what you believe to be true about God and the universe. So you don't have a problem with calling out her name, but I bet the reason is, is because when you call out her name, you hope to get attention. And if you call out my name, you fear that I'll get the attention that you want reserved for you. Yeah, something to think about. This is just something I was thinking about. I'm living a life filled with optimism. And sometimes I like to pour that optimism out towards other people. I like to hope that the people from my past are doing good, are doing better than they were. That's what I hope for. I don't want to forget you existed because you helped and influenced and impacted my life in many ways. And I'm not afraid to appreciate. And it seems like all you want to do is hate. Don't try and make me feel ashamed because as a grown-ass woman, I can admit that I still got some things that are unresolved that I'm working on. 